State lawmakers, they are heading home after the legislative session ended last night. On this week's edition of New York Now, lawmakers leave Albany. This year's legislative session in New York is over. Popping the newsless half hour, the legislative session has officially ended. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. The New York State Legislature wrapped up its 2021 legislative session earlier this month, and it was an incredibly successful year for the labor movement. There were also a number of victories for labor included in this year's budget. Joining me to talk about an unprecedented number of victories for working people is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento. Mario, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Darcy. And so, Mario, if you had to issue a report card on this year's session in terms of victories for the labor movement, what grade would you be giving and why? Uh, I tell you, I'd give an A+. Plus, uh, and I mean that for all of the affiliates of the state AFL-CIO. We, we had just a great deal of success on all of labor's priority issues. In fact, <clears throat> I would say this. I've been at the state AFL-CIO in various capacities now for 29 years. And, and I would have to say uh, this has been one of the most successful legislative sessions that I can remember. And I am not prone to hyperbole. It mm-hmm. really, really was. Um, you know, every year at our December board meetings, we uh, we vote upon, as, a, as an executive board, uh, what the legislative priorities are going to be for the following year, mm-hmm. the legislative agenda. And, and so many of those priorities became law this past year, over these past six months, and even, even before the legislative session started, uh, before the, uh, the session ended. Uh, it's, it's really a credit to uh, everyone, our executive board, the affiliates, uh, public sector unions, private sector unions, building trades unions across the state coming together and saying, look, this is a moment in time, and there's a lot to do. The pandemic had a lot to do with it. But you just have a, you know, there are so many other issues out there that even transcended that, whether it was climate change or just uh, people trying to, to hold on to what they have and child care issues, so many things. And then adding on to that, the pandemic, it really was an extraordinary uh, legislative session. I'm just so proud uh, how everyone joined together on labor's priorities. So let's run down some of the bigger wins from this session and from the budget, because I think it probably makes sense to start with revenue raisers, which was included in the budget, a big victory. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, uh, as you said, uh, we raised revenue. We we were able to raise taxes on the wealthiest New Yorkers to the tune of about $4 billion. And what we've been saying as a labor movement now for, for many years is that We needed a structural realignment of our tax system, right? And if the tax infrastructure is strong and reliable, then the state's economic infrastructure is going to be secure for the long term, right? So that we'll be able to provide all of the services that everyone relies on and that really, honestly, so many of us take for granted, right? Whether it's funding for education or health care or transportation or sanitation, law enforcement, fire, so on and so forth, or funding infrastructure projects, right? To keep our roads and our bridges and our tunnels uh, upright and allowing us to travel and do all the things that we do. And, and, and so all of those things are, are subsidized by revenue from the state. And to have uh, a, a tax structure that's much more fair and uh, using the term progressive in this point, meaning the progressive tax structure, really allows us to, to do all those things and, and gets us to a point, particularly coming out of a pandemic, where we're trying to get people back to work, to give everybody the opportunity to get back, to have more opportunities out there for them, 
and again to make sure that we have all the services that that those that that revenue provides. So let's talk about some of the legislative victories related to COVID-19, the pandemic. Um, A lot of issues came up, right, from health and safety of workers, unemployment benefits, and sadly, even death benefits. So what were the major victories um, addressing the pandemic? Well, I I think first and foremost, you had the New York Hero Act. And that was passed and signed right after the budget. And and that was obviously a state AFL-CIO and a labor movement priority here because it establishes uh, standards and protocols uh, on levels of PPE and testing and staffing policies and social distancing. Uh, you know, what the bill does is, is it requires the commissioner of labor to promulgate an airborne infectious disease prevention standard on all of those issues that I just that I just mentioned. And, and those standards now are going to be in place protecting working people moving forward. And, and, and they all, you know, they increase safety, they decrease exposure, but it's, you know, if God forbid we find ourselves in another situation, uh, as we did this past year and a half, or, you know, if, if rates start to, to increase again, we'll be ready for it. It will be in a much better place moving forward for generations to come than, than we were, you know, 15 or 16 months ago. And, and, you know, you do those things and it's, they're historic and they're necessary. And it's one of those things when you look back on it, and I said this to our executive board at our meeting, uh, recently, you know, working men and women, members, uh, union and non-union who, who will never know who we are or what our names are or who, you know, anything that we had done in the past prior to this, you know, will be protected. They'll have a better chance of surviving whatever comes down the road because the labor movement pulled together and was able to get uh, the HERO Act done. So, you know, we're really, really pleased and proud that we were able to do that. Uh, Some of the other things that you had mentioned, you know, we were able to get uh, the COVID-19 vaccine paid leave bill passed. And what that does, Darcy, is it it grants uh, four hours of paid leave per dose, right, if you're taking the two-dose vaccines for all public and private sector workers so they can get their COVID-19 vaccine. And, you know, obviously that's a critical step toward getting more people vaccinated and and it's going to help hopefully to speed up the process of achieving herd immunity so we can eradicate COVID-19 and get Mm -hmm. the state back on the road to recovery and and all those things. So that was really uh, very important and we were pleased to be able to do that. Uh, You mentioned some unemployment insurance bills. They were Two of them in particular. One is uh, what we call partial UI, and that's a bill that that's going to help unemployed workers that accept part-time work to keep more of their earnings. Uh, it creates a more fair system of, of of benefit reductions that's based on earnings rather than the hours worked. And, and what it'll do is the new system will allow claimants to earn 50% of their normal benefit amount without any penalty. And that's going to help people, uh, you know, get back. You know, we don't know how many jobs are really available now. We we assume that there will be more to come, but it'll allow people to um, to at least ease their way back into this as as we get you know we get the economy going again. And then there's a there's a shared work bill, and, and that the shared work program, Darcy, allows workers whose hours have been reduced uh, in lieu of a layoff to collect a, a, a reduced unemployment benefit to make up for the reduction. In the hours, and what this bill does, it removes the the 26 week cap 
on the duration of the of the unemployment insurance benefit for workers in the program. And again, that's that's just going to be big as you have people in and out of the workforce as, as we sort of get things settled and straightened out mm-hmm. as we move forward. So that that was just so very important. Then uh, and I think you touched on this before you mentioned the child care. You know, again, it, you know, if people didn't understand now already how important it is to have child care uh, during and, and, and emerging from the pandemic, you know, people want to go back to work. They do. But we all know anyone who has a child, your safety, health and well-being of your child is priority one. There's not anything ever even close to that. And uh, we were able to get uh, funding for the child care facilitated enrollment program that's going to increase over $50 million, to over $50 million over the next two years. Now, this is the key. It's up from the recent appropriations of $9 million mm. annual. Yeah, that's so significant. Think about that, yeah. how much more money we're investing in child care to make sure that people get back to work, that their children are safe and taken care of as we, re- as we restart the economy. It increased uh, budget shortfalls that, that were that, uh, existed in New York City, in the capital region, in Onondaga County. Uh, it directs the budget bill on the child care directed $2.3 billion in federal resources to help with existing programs. Again, all to make sure that our children are safe, they're taken care of, and allowing uh, parents and guardians and family members to get back to work so they can, in fact, uh, take care of those children uh, financially and otherwise. So that was just so really very important. And then you have other bills, Darcy, that may not have been directly uh, related to the pandemic and things that we've been talking about for so long, and that's um, staffing ratios for hospitals and nursing homes. Now, this is something where all credit has to go to NISNA and 1199 and CWA, who've been fighting for this for so long. The hospital staffing, um, it, it amends the public health law, and it, it, it creates minimum staffing ratios in hospitals based on patient need, the type of medical care that they require, and the skills necessary to provide that care. So we're getting like, they're really diving into now, you know, how you address this to make sure that there are enough uh, nurses and hospital workers there to take care of the patient's at that time, not having to wait, not having to make, making sure that nurses aren't working 14-hour shifts without any breaks, and, and making sure that the system runs uh, more smoothly, and most importantly, that you are advancing the oversight of these patients in the hospitals to make sure that you have, you know, a really, uh, a workforce that's not just driven into the ground, and and, and they deserve so much credit for that. Uh, the nursing home part of it, um, what that does is it uh, it provides uh, the nursing home residents with a minimum of, of I think it's three and a half hours of nursing care per day, and it establishes transparency and enforcement procedures and, and mechanisms to improve the quality of nursing home care. So it's really important. You have the, the hospital end of it, you have the nursing home uh, end of it, and it really again it's it's about the safety, health, and well-being of those men and women who are in either of those facilities. And, and to be able to get that done on behalf, on, in addition to all the other things that were going on, it finally happened. And those unions, again, NISNA and 1199 and CWA have been working on something like this, Darcy, probably for more than a decade. And um, they deserve an awful lot of credit for that. Other stuff, in addition, uh, that, again, uh, was able to get done 
again, in this crazy year, uh, you had a renewable energy uh, legislation. And, and, you know, that is something where uh, as you begin a new industry, and in this case, really by necessity, right, as we're fighting climate change, right? Anytime you start a new industry, you want to make sure that you have a skilled workforce, a union workforce, um, to create the infrastructure for something that's going to go on forever. And, and in this bill, uh, and, and this was something that was spearheaded by Gary LaBarbera and the New York State Building Trades, and I can't say enough about Gary and the trades for how they carried this through. Um, included in the legislation on renewable energy is, is prevailing rate, making sure that these workers are going to be treated and paid fairly moving forward. Uh, labor peace language, there was a buy New York aspect of it to keep these jobs here. And within that framework, the state AFL-CIO had a, its own priority, and that was by American. And that, if you recall, that was an issue that we were able to get past uh, four or five years ago. Uh, and again, to be able to get that done with, with help from the steel workers, to have the buy American piece as part of the renewable energy piece, again, it sets us up for an industry, again, an industry uh, that's uh, a necessity at this point as we, as we combat climate change. But to have an infrastructure in place where you're going to have a skilled and educated and trained labor workforce, union workforce uh, is vital. And again, I can't say enough about what Gary LaBarber and the trades uh, did on all that. Um, other things, and if I'm going on too long, Darcy, you can tell me, I'm sure, but it, it's just <laughs> so much. Uh, there was wage theft legislation that eliminates uh, wage theft loopholes. Uh, it makes clear that there's no exception to liability to, for, for failure to pay uh, wages or benefits or, or, or wage supplements. That was key. And there was also a piece, and you know, we've all come across something like this. There was a bill on roadway uh, work zone construction safety. And you know, we've all been on the road, and we all see workers working on the side of the road, you know, whatever it is they're doing for that particular day. And you know, you, you always try to be responsible, right? You always try to slow down. You make sure you give them enough space. Some Sometimes, you know, you change into the, the, the opposite lane to stay as far away from these men and women as they're, they're going about their day. This legislation that was passed is, uh, establishes a photo and video monitoring uh, enforcement mechanism at the State uh, Department of Transportation and the Thruway Authority uh, for enforcement of speeding violations in construction and work zones on, on major roadways. And it's something where you're taking another step just to ensure the safety, health, and well-being of these workers to make sure, which is everyone's priority, you go to work in the morning, you're able to come home in one piece safely and in good health at night. And, and having that extra layer of protection, making the public know that if, you know, if, they, if they thought maybe they weren't going to be as careful as they should be, uh, or they were going to try to just speed up ahead of the work zone or speed around it, uh, just another layer of protection to know that, look, you know, you're going to be seen if you do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should you should be careful in and of yourself as a human being to make sure you're not hurting anyone. But uh, just an extra level of, of safety and protection for these workers was vital. And it's issues like that that you normally don't get a lot of attention, you know, and I understand it when you're talking about all the other issues that I just mentioned here uh, today. But that's something that really conceivably uh, can save lives. Absolutely. And, and we're proud of that. And I know the building trades is proud of that as well, as well as other unions. And, and, and that's, you know, and I think, 
I think just for everything that was able to get done this past year, you know, there are issues that, that address issues for today and tomorrow, right? So mm-hmm. when you talk about more revenue, that provides the services that we rely on, as I said before, but it's now and in the future, right? Because we're talking about the actual structure of our tax system. You talk about childcare, unemployment insurance, and, and all those things. Again, it's a today and tomorrow issue, getting us back on track now, making sure our children are safe now, uh, and then setting us up for the economy moving forward, the renewable energy piece, the HERO Act. Again, you did. we did things now, we're able to accomplish things now, as I said earlier, Darcy, that, that set us up for generations to come, people who, again, who will never know your name or my name uh, or any of the people who worked on this. And that's good. It's, it's not necessary for them to know who we are. But you can feel good at the end of the day that everyone joined together to help future generations. I think that's what that's mostly what the labor movement should be proud about, that we joined together on all of these issues, had an extraordinary session, but most importantly, we worked together to improve the lives and the well-being of working men and women. That is always the goal of the legislative session, and it always will be, and that was accomplished this past year. And you touched on, you know, some of the major victories. There were several more this session, and I know our legislative department always puts something together, together and gets it out to the affiliates and I'm sure we'll have it up on our website as well. And that, um, you know, makes me think, too, of all the work that the legislative department did under the direction, you know, of Mike Nidal under the circumstances you had last session and this session, right, all by phone and the Capitol shut down and running meetings by Zoom. And it was a lot. That's a great point. You know, it was an odd, obviously, session where there wasn't any lobbying at the, um, you know, within the Capitol or or the legislative office building. But uh, we are very fortunate at the New York State AFL-CIO, and I know that I'm very fortunate to have a staff. We have Mike Nidal and Joe Cannavis and Nugma Singh, who the three of them together uh, are really able to do extraordinary things. Keep in mind, we have two and a half million members. We have 3,000 local unions as part of the state AFL-CIO to juggle all the priorities of all of the different unions and sectors at any given time is really, um, it is not easy to do. You know, like I said, I, I was on staff here for 20 years before I became president nine years ago. And and dealing with our affiliates and making sure that you're serving them is, is the priority, right? That's what we do as a state AFL-CIO. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike and Joe and Nugma uh, do that in, in a way that can make us all proud. And I, I know that we all are. Yeah, very much so. Well, Mario Salento and our president of the New York State AFL-CIO, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks for having me. Joining me now on the podcast is our digital director and the editor of the program, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. So there were a few things, as we were saying at the close of the podcast, that we covered, some of the major victories, but there is really so much more. And I know um, that uh, you have the wrap-up coming soon. It's going to be up on our website if people want to go through and take a look at all of the other things. Yeah, the Legislative Department does a full breakdown of the entire session, and we'll have that on the website for people to peruse and look at and and really see, like Mario was talking about, the you know plethora of things that we do, not only for workers right now, but that we're doing for future generations of workers that we haven't even met yet. And labor is always building to the future, and I think Mario talked about that very well today. Yeah, with the New York Hero Act. So we would have been great to have something like that in place should something like this happen. And now we have it for all those protocols and, and the safety of workers. There's there's something there for them ahead of time. Uh, should it happen again? Let's hope not. Um, but in, I was thinking, too, when he was talking that 
part of the challenge is to make people aware of these things, which is yeah. what we try to do. Like when you talk about the vaccine paid leave, there's so many people out there who probably have no idea. And sadly, some employers who aren't going to be making, you know, the announcement and making sure they know. Right. Um, you know, it's it's up to us to kind of let people know that. And um, I know you're doing that all the time on social media. So you are have paid time coming to you if, if you're concerned about that to go and get your vaccine. Yeah. And you can help uh, get that information out, right? We share it to our affiliates and, and you as the members have the ability to, to share, uh, tweet it, put it on Facebook and let other folks know that, that these are victories and that these are uh, things that you have access to right now, right? Childcare, time off for vaccines, um, the updated unemployment. Uh, all that information, uh, it only works when people know about it. So make sure you're talking about it. Uh, check on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, and uh, your unions and share that information out. All right, great. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.